Good morning. It's always good to be with you. Uh, Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this time we have uh, as your people to gather together to reflect, uh, to sing, to pray, to seek uh, in in every way that, that we can to be shaped in the image of your Son. And for the meal that, that we just participated in together, a, a meal where we gather around that, that table of grace, God, we pray that as we open up your word this morning, as we consider what it means to be partnering with you in that grace, to be partnering with you in, in our world uh, that's, that's dying for lack of grace. We pray that you would help us to be your faithful ambassadors, your, your faithful representatives. God, and, and help us to continue to see moments that we can hold up as a glimpse of, of your heart. And God, as we open up your word again, help us to open up our lives to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So... Several weeks ago now, we started this series that we're, we're calling Repairs of the World. It's a, an idea that, that has long been at the heart of Judaism and, and the, the people of Israel's sense of, of what do you do in your heart when you look at the state of things and you know that things can and should be better than they are right now. Not just for some of us, but for all of us. How do we work towards that? Because the, the concept of grace in Scripture includes forgiveness, but it's not only a concept that's about forgiveness. It's, it's actually a, about a forgiveness that opens up new possibilities for life. It's restorative. It, it calls us to something, all of us, to, to relationships, to interactions that are marked by hope that are marked by, by this sense that God is with us, that God is calling us and empowering us to be more like his son. And, and it's never just something we're doing on our own. I think in many cases that's where we can, we can lose hold of the plot here of, of the, the kind of story we're actually living in, the, the kind of story that God is, is creating in our lives and in our world. It's, it's not just on our shoulders for us to look at the things that are going on and to realize that, that our world is a long way from being the kind of world God promises it can be. God is saying that, that he is hard at work bringing that world into reality and he's asking us to help. Not, again, brothers and sisters, because he's in desperate need of our help, but because he's chosen to invite us into this world-creating task. It's a concept that that first starts to to be, I think, really dreamed about in the prophets. Isaiah 58, verses 11 and 12, were, were verses that we read at the very beginning of the study that tap into this vision where the prophet says, there's a day coming where you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairers of the breach, the restorers of livable streets. Now, we, we took this phrase, repairs of the breach, 
And, and we kind of borrowed it for the, the title of the series, Repairs of the World, because we, we talked about the fact that this isn't just supposed to be, in, in Isaiah's mind, just one place where you might see brokenness, but it's all the places where we look out in the world that we share and we see the brokenness, we see the struggle, we see the inequality in the lives of people all, all across this world, and we realize that we've got to do something about it. But then you've got this, I think, more more local image, right? It's, it's one thing to say we want to try to, to partner with God in restoring the world, but what does it mean for us in our own community, in our own neighborhood, to take up the task of joining God in restoring livable streets? We, we read a translation uh, from Eugene Peterson where he used the phrase that, that you'll be the ones who make the community a place people want to call home again. That's how he, he envisions this, this dream coming true, the restores of livable streets. And I, I think he's on to something there because we all want a community that we're proud to call home. We all want a community where it's, it's comforting for us to say, that yeah, this is, this is where I'm going to, to live out whatever it is that God is calling me to do in his mission, this is where that's going to happen. This is, this is going to be my home. This is the place where me and my family are going to live our lives. What does it mean for us to, to be captured by Isaiah's vision here to say, we, we don't only care about the world that is to come. We do our best to try to help God bring this world closer and closer to that day. To that future. You know, we, we have talked about before in, in various studies and in various places where we've been looking at Scripture, this idea that, that it's often that we view the, the idea of heaven as kind of a great spiritual evacuation, where we're going to be taken from this world someday uh, and leave it far behind. And I think all of the places in Scripture that, that talk in that are trying to, to talk in, in ways that are poetic that fire off our imagination and our hope, but they're, they're not speaking in, in, in direct ways that, that we fully grasp or understand. Because just as often as we find d- descriptions of, of going someplace to be with God, we also have stories in Scripture and, and promises in Scripture that talk about God promising to come and live with us. When you open your Bible up to Revelation 22... It's the city of Jerusalem that's coming down out of heaven, and people are streaming to it, and it says that now God will live with his people. And so instead of the direction only being one where we leave this earth, you've also got this anticipation of heaven coming to this earth. When Jesus teaches us how to pray as everyday disciples, right, he he talks about just simply hoping and expressing the hope that God's will will happen here on the earth as it does in heaven. This idea that the way of God is breaking into this world of ours and that we want to witness it, we want to be a part of it. We, we know that from experience, we have these times where we feel like it's a foretaste in that song, right? A foretaste of glory divine. We have, we have moments and experiences where we can say, yeah, that, that's how the world could be all the time. And is there anything we could do to help the world get closer to that place? We are, in other words, as as we are being shaped and saved 
by the gospel, we aren't just being saved and shaped as individuals. We're, we're called into a certain kind of community that's all about building community. I want us to look quickly again in Scripture, this time in Jeremiah, another prophet. He's talking to the exiles. They're having to wait before they're going to get to, to have this moment of going home. And he, he says to them, The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all the exiles I've carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married and have children and then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in number there so that you don't dwindle away. Work for the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because your future depends on its welfare. Work for the welfare of the city. This idea that that we have a relationship with God that's not only personal and private, but that in addition to having a personal relationship with God, there's this social vision of a different place we all get to call home while we're waiting for a deeper, truer home that we know only God can bring about. Right? We don't, we don't sit around and only wait for that day. We do the best we can to help more and more people experience the goodness that God has promised. And it's easy for us to give up hope. It's easy for us to decide it's too complicated. It's easy for us to decide we don't know how to solve all the problems the world is facing. I mean, every single moment of every day, if, if you open up a news website or turn to a news channel or read an article from the news analyzing what's going on in our world, it's easy to give up hope. And that's what these exiles are struggling with. And Jeremiah's words to them are, are his words to us. Work for the welfare of the city where you are. Trust that God is there. Trust that God is at work. And that in the meantime, amazing things can happen when you work for the common good. Now, the term common good is, is always one of those phrases that, that can be kind of abstract and ambiguous, and you can start to get into arguments about, okay, what, who, what is the common good? Who's it good for? Who gets to decide good? Uh, for us, I, I feel like we have to, have to come back to the basics to say that, that from our perspective, the common good is everybody knowing about and experiencing the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the common good. And anything we can do to help people experience how much they're loved and cared for, how much they're worth, we are participating in this vision that Jeremiah and Isaiah and all of the, all of the Old Testament prophets, in one way or another, they, they tap into this idea that, that when it's tempting for us to give up, we need to get to work. Because God is at work. And we, we get to be a part of that. You know, I... I think it's easy for us to decide that building community is, is not really within the mission of what God is trying to do. And yet, time and again in Scripture, we find that God cares about, loves, and wants to save all of who we are. Not just some spiritual aspect of who we are, but all of who we are. That, that we need to be people who don't just talk about God 
caring about the hungry, but we partner with God in feeding the hungry. That we don't just talk about God wanting children to know how much they're loved and worth, but we partner with people who are helping children experience how much they're loved and how much they're worth. That, that we don't just read all of these different examples in Scripture of the importance of Sabbath rest and, and being able to take a spiritual breath in the midst of a busy world, but that we create spaces where that can happen, both for us and everybody else. We're called together with God to build a better community where everybody is, is overjoyed to say, this is the place that I call home. And this morning, we're, we're going to be talking with, uh, together, all of us are going to be getting to listen to Leslie Andrews share a little bit about her work of helping our community be a little bit more like the, the world that, that these prophets talk about time and again. And just as, you know, the, the idea in Revelation 22, you've got this new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven for everybody to get to experience I'm guessing that that version of Jerusalem was the best possible version, right? It was, the, it was the Jerusalem that everybody who called it home always believed it could be, but it never quite got there, right? And, and in that same way, we need to have some sense in our hearts of, of, of that kind of, of Abilene, right? The, the new Abilene. If there's going to be cities in Abilene, I, I'm sorry, new cities in heaven, I'm hoping Abilene's going to make the list. Right? Not just going to be a new Jerusalem, but, but a new Abilene. And if it's going to be the version of this city that we always knew in our hearts it could be at its best, we want to lean into that hope and do what we can to start to experience some of that now. Leslie's the, the Abilene Director of Community Services. She is, in, in a word, responsible for quality of life here. There's all kinds of different things that, that, that is included in that mission but as a person of faith, and as I think about what she's doing, I, I am convinced that it helps Abilene become a little bit more the kind of city we, we know and God knows it has the potential to be. And that God cares deeply about that work. So we're going to watch this, this video now of, of her initial uh, interview, and then we'll go ahead and continue the conversation live in just a moment. Let's watch this video together now. My name is Leslie Andrews. I am the Director of Community Services for the City of Abilene. I have been working for the city for almost 16 years. I have been in this current position for about three and a half years. In my umbrella of the Community Services Director, the things that I oversee, the Parks Department, which we have 26 parks, the zoo, which I hope everybody in Abilene has come to visit, um, our three library locations, the Senior Center, um, I oversee Aquatics, which is the Splash Pads and Adventure Cove, as well as the Municipal Tennis Center, Golf Course, and Cemetery. A lot of what Community Services does is really quality of life, and it's um, designing, thinking, dreaming, helping um, improve Abilene so that the everyday citizen has a park to go to, has the access to a library. A lot of what I do is managing um, people in budgets. I have 144 full-time employees under um, my department. Um, at our busiest season during the summer, we have 350 employees. So a lot of what I do in a typical day is working with personnel issues, working with budget issues, um, going to meetings, going to board meetings. Some of the most challenging aspects of my job, in all honesty, are working with people. 
Um, I have to work with all different kinds of people. Some people that you would say are very ethical and integrity, have lots of integrity, and there's some that just want it their way, and ethics, morals, and integrity don't necessarily play into it. Watching a, a child experience a book for the very first time, you know, feeding a rhino, feeding a giraffe, some of those experiences make all of the dealing with the contracts, dealing, you know, with the budgeting side of things, some of the personnel issues, it makes it all worth it because in the end, you know, really what we have is, is a great system, a great park system, a wonderful place for people to go um, mostly free of charge to spend time with their family, whether it's volleyball, whether it's swimming, whether it's going fishing, you know, having a fishing program, kids who normally don't get to fish, you know, having special events where they can fish. I mean, all those things make the day-to-day -day meetings, uh, maybe dealing with a difficult citizen, it makes it all worthwhile. Really, this is in my way, um, I think, my calling to be able to give back. I am not the boots on the ground, but I'm helping give them the tools that they need to be able to do that job and the ability for people, again, to really enjoy what Abilene has to offer. It's really being able to answer the needs of, of people in Abilene. It takes a lot of people dreaming. It takes sometimes years, even decades of planning to bring something to life, um, but it's very, very worthwhile when that happens. So, Leslie, you mentioned them. Yes, yes. <laughs> the last couple of times we spoke and you helped clarify to me just how many different areas of, of life here in Abilene you're responsible for. I, I just don't know how uh, you get all that done. So we are very appreciative of you. Thank you. You talk about in the video that you, you spend a lot of your time working with people and that they don't all come from the same background. They don't all have the same values. Uh, and, and yet you've got to work alongside of them. So how do you feel like your Christian faith informs how you interact with people who may or may not share your way of, of viewing and moving through the world? I think in a lot of ways, I think it gives me a, a basis or a foundation or um, I guess a faith in trust that when dealing with difficult situations, what I have to say or what comes out or, or whatever um, will be the best um, that I can do, um, whether it's a conversation that I had to have one time with someone that I found out was an atheist um, and was questioning why there's prayer. Um, that was something that was... Prayer at a meeting or prayer? Prayer, prayer before... Okay. Um, a couple of our meetings had yeah. prayers before, before them, and they were questioning why, because we are a municipality. Right. And that was a, a very intriguing, um, very difficult conversation. Um, one time I was de um, working with somebody who was very frustrated um, in their job. Um, they really just wanted to be a preacher and didn't understand their purpose. And But what they were doing was working with children and seniors and it was having conversations about working with those kinds of, in those kinds of situations. It doesn't matter whether you're in a church building um, or whether you're somewhere out um, in the public. Um, everybody matters. Yeah, and that there's important ministry opportunities. Mm -hmm. I, since we started visiting, we spent a couple of times a week at Rose Park. Uh, our girls play volleyball. And in the gym there, 
there are always these crafts that, that the kids have been doing. And so there's handprints or there's other pictures and their names. And uh, because volleyball practice doesn't actually need me to be there uh, for it to happen, I've, I've spent time since then trying to look at those names and to think about the, the families that are, are impacted by some of the, the very programs that you're, you're helping to head up. And uh, I, I know there's good ministry work that's happening there, but it's not always easy for people to see that. Uh, and, and kind of along those lines, you spend a ton of time, not on the front lines, but you spend a ton of time in meetings. And I, I think you said you're, you're, you do meetings and budgets, which sounds super, super fun <laughs> in terms of how to spend your day. <laughs> And so for a lot of us, when we get stuck in meetings or we're, we're in budget discussions, that kind of feels like it's getting in the way of our real work. How do you see that as core to your real work of what you're called to do? You know, it's funny. I have that conversation with my family quite often. Yeah. And how do I get any work done because of all the meetings yeah. I'm in? And after we did that interview, I went back and I had 17 meetings this week. Um, on my calendar. Now, that's not a typical week. I mean, that was a little bit more than normal, but that is a, um, but a lot of what our meetings are do uh, are the meetings I'm involved with. Um, like I told you when we visited the first time, a lot of what I do is manage the unseen, yeah. um, whether it's dealing with people, whether it's um, reading the contracts, whether it's reading the leases, whether it's um, preparing to take something to one of the boards or our city council. Um, also, um, some of the meetings and stuff, I mean, kind of like in preparing for this. I mean, you spent hours preparing for this. Steven spent, he said, close to 20 hours putting that video together. Um, when, when people go to the fireworks, they, they go, they see the 30-minute fireworks show. Um, we spend hours and hours preparing for that, setting up meetings, making sure right. the multiple departments are all on the same page, right. that we have everything covered so that when the citizens go to different events or whether they go to Adventure Cove or they go to a park, you know, we have people that spend hours and hours making sure, trying to make sure that their experience is um, the best that it can be. Yeah, and it's difficult because like you said, people just show up and they don't think about it to the moment they get there, but you guys have been in all of these conversations and uh, praying that things will go uh, the way you're hoping it will, will for people. But a lot of the things you do, it's, it's not just like an annual thing. You're doing meetings and conversations, um, not knowing if it could take years or even decades. And so how do you have patience when you start something and have, like, how long did Adventure Cove take to develop? And I think the conceptual drawing for Adventure Cove hung on the wall for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And we, I'm the third director third director to be in that office while that picture hung on the wall. How do you do that? How, <laughs> how do you go to meetings knowing the payoff may be 15 years from now, and it may be a different d director of community services? Like, how do you, how do you approach that? Um, really, it's, I, I don't think about it in all honesty. <laughs> well, you're um, welcome. Thank I'm, you. <laughs> we, we just, I mean, we plan, we dream, um, we're we just try and be prepared. I mean, we never know, um, and we can work hours and hours and years and years for something and a particular law change or, you know, something changes and then you have to go a different direction. Um, and so, yes, it takes patience. Um, it also, in a lot of ways, I would say I have learned to 
let go of what doesn't matter. So I can plan and I can spend hours and I can get right up to that point where I think something's um, going to be approved and, you know, whether the budget comes in too high so we can't do it right now and have to go a different direction. Um, you know, it's, it, in a lot of ways, it's like prayer. Um, we pray and we want God to answer us and God answers in his own time. Um, I kind of equate it to this. We work very hard on something, but if now is not the right time, I have to have faith that the time will come when um, Abilene's ready. Yeah. So in those meetings, you've got some folks like you who are, are city employees, but then you're also working alongside of elected politicians. And given the state of politics, especially in the last several years as things have gotten more, I think, toxic and, and, and I'm getting more pessimistic in ways of, okay, can anything good come from this? How do you approach that interaction with, with people who are elected and, and people that you're having to work alongside of that you didn't choose and you may not have known it was going to happen? Um, how, how do you approach that? How do you hold on to hope in the midst of kind of all the, the stress and the, the difficulties that we face with politics right now? Um, I will say politics, what you see on the news and stuff like that at the national level, I do not see filter down um, to my position more on the local level. Um, we do have um, seven on the city council and then we have a city manager. He deals with more of the political side um, than I do. A lot of what I do is I have to deal in the facts. You know, my personal opinion, um, things like that. You know, I have to leave on the shelf when I'm giving a presentation and, and just stay within the parameters of, of the facts of, of the situation. And at the end of the day, what the, what the vote is, the vote is, um, and we keep moving forward. Um, but a lot, of, um, a lot of what I would say makes it worthwhile or, or keeps me going, um, it was probably within the last week or so, we're working on the design um, for a park that we're getting ready to, to repair. And we were trying to decide what we wanted to do. And so we went out to Storybook Gardens and we were looking at the trellises and the ivy and um, you know, trying to decide what direction we wanted to go. And I looked over and there was a father and daughter having a picnic, just spending some quality um, time together, having a little snack in the, in the afternoon, looking at the sculptures, that makes it worthwhile. It doesn't matter how many hours, how many years, how many decades. Um, when you see a, a family having a picnic, when you see a child um, having somebody read to them for the first time, when you see um, someone you know, in your rec program getting to learn a sport or, or do a craft that they've never been exposed to, um, whether it's in the senior program, um, knowing that that is probably the healthiest meal that some of them may have um, that day. Um, one of the things I didn't mention in the video was adaptive um, recreation. This church has been a very supportive of adaptive um, recreation, and that is a wonderful group of people, very loving. And so having the opportunity sometimes to get out of the office and yeah. away from the meetings and go interact um, in the different areas that we touch just makes it all worthwhile. This is connected to what you've experienced already, those moments of encouragement. But 
In just a, a few words, how would you describe the things you hope for our Abilene community? As somebody who's working for our, our present and our future, what are, what's your hope for this place? Um, that was the hardest question that I had to think about because I really, we just want to keep moving forward. Um, we just want to keep making improvements. Um, we want to um, expand on some of the things um, that we're doing, you know, whether it's um, Madagascar, whether it's a new downtown library, you know, whether it's starting a new park, whether it's starting a new league. Um, a lot of what we do is we, we kind of think in all areas and then when, so that we're ready to strike when an opportunity presents itself. And so a lot of the planning goes into that, um, working on you know a new trail at Kirby Lake, working on um, the new design for Mentor Park. I mean, there's just so many things that, um, there's just so much out there. Um, and there's so many opportunities. Um, like I said, 26 parks, three libraries, the zoo. Um, in my department, we touch everything from two-year-olds all the way um, through the cemetery. Yeah. And so um, being able to shift gears and be ready to run, I'm not going to say, and this is not a few words, I'm yeah, sorry. that's okay. Um, but one of the things, um, you know, sometimes you have to shut the door and scream. You know, sometimes you have to have your 15-minute pity party and you wipe your eyes, you blow your nose, you take a deep breath, you stand up and you go. Um, but what I would say is don't ever give up um, because the opportunity will come along and you just have to keep looking for it. Thank you so much. Will, will you, you join me in thanking Leslie for her? When I first moved here and I saw some signs around town that were keep Abilene beautiful, Having grown up in California, and I thought, man, somebody really is looking at this town through the eyes of love. <laughs> and I didn't know it was people like Leslie, right? That, that that's how we should look at our community, that we should be doing what we can to keep Abilene beautiful, uh, and, and in every way. Uh, and I know there are many people in this room who work to improve the quality of life of people who live here. So I want to end our, our time this morning in, in the sermon by asking you to stand up if you are somebody who works, whether you're paid or you're volunteer. Um, I want you to stand up for a moment just so I can pray a prayer of blessing over you. If you work towards improving the lives of people who call this community home, if you're in a helping profession, uh, if you're a teacher, if you're someone who works for one of our nonprofits that helps people, go ahead and stand up. Uh, real briefly, I'm getting worse and worse rates on people standing up for prayers. I'm starting to feel like I need to go to prayer school or something. Okay, get up. Okay. Uh, we see you, and, and we know that it, at times, like Leslie said, you, wanna, you, you have to take a break, and you have to gather yourself, and you have to start again. But thank you so much for doing what you're doing to bless people in our community to help them experience actively the way that God loves them and cares for them. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for these people. I thank you for the jobs that they do in your name. Uh, whether anybody knows it or not, whether they're allowed to speak your name in the, the place where they work. God, I just thank you for uh, the times that they're, they're investing, the, the gifts that they're giving as they try their best to help improve the way other people experience life.
God, we believe that you care about this world and the world that is to come. And we want to care about the, the people uh, who we get to share life with in all of the, the various ways that they may have needs, God. We lift those needs up to you. We ask that you would help us to be a, a church community who loves the community that we're in, the, the Abilene community that you have placed us in. And God, all of us have that hope that this city can become the city that you know is possible for it to be. Uh, and please, God, help us, like Leslie said, to never give up. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, this week, I, I want you to think uh, about this as, as a primary statement uh, that, that we need to learn to live out. I know I need to, to learn to live it out. And that is that Jesus calls us, he calls me, to, to care about the things that belong to us more than I care about the things that, that just belong to me, whether that's resources, whether that's time, uh, whether that's just me caring far more about my individual life instead of our community's life. Jesus consistently says, it's never about me, it's about us. And in our culture, it's easy for us to, to get turned around and to get turned inward and to think that mostly what I want out of the Abilene community is for me to have the life that I want. But for Abilene to be the kind of community God wants it to be, we've got to think about us. I can't just think about me, and the same is true for you. So I want you to hold on to this this week. Use it as you pray. Use it as you think about how you're going to move through your life. How do you find a way to care about us and not just you and your desires? We're going to sing now together, and as we do, uh, our, our shepherds and their wives will be out in our lobby. They're there to receive you, to pray with you, to talk with you, to be spiritual community for you. And so if you came this morning with any concern at all, if you want to know more about our church, if you want to know more about what it means to commit to following in the way of Jesus, whatever it is that you may, may need to talk to a, a Christian couple about, please go to them as together we stand and sing.